welcome to the podcast of Christ Church in Town in Jacksonville, Florida. We are seeking the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. Towards that end, we are committed to cultivating personal transformation in Christ, an uncommon fellowship of racially and economically diverse individuals, and the flourishing of our neighbors. To join our local body in membership or financial support, visit ChristChurchInTown.org. Well, good morning to you all. My name is Jonathan Jones. I'm a teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church of America, the church that you attend. Uh, some of you may not know me, never seen me before, um, or preach, or even heard me preach, but I do do that. I was away last week uh, in Yulee, uh, preaching for David Bradshaw, sister church up there in Yulee, and um, last year, I was away for a long time, February through July, as I was preaching downtown at First Presbyterian Church, they were looking for a pastor, and I was um, doing pulpit supply for them. So it's been a, been a while, probably over a year since I've been in the pulpit here. Beginning of January, we began a series. If you open your Bibles, if you have a Bible with you, uh, if not, it will probably be as a text on the overhead. We began a series in the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and our pastor Willie uh, chose this, and I cannot think of a better uh, series in which to place our church at this time, because this scripture, this epistle is gospel from beginning to end, gospel, the English word that is a contraction of two English words, God's spell, God's magic, gospel. And we've been singing about that magic, haven't we, this morning, that mystery that has now been made known in Jesus Christ. Now, the first week, um, Willie, he introduced the themes of grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And seeing those themes as the essential themes of any Bible-believing congregation like ours, and all of us being united in those themes. Is that right, Pastor Willie? It was all about being united together, being one body. And I don't know what he said last week. I tried to find out, but there was, the message wasn't recorded. But he assures me, he spoke on the, God's divine election and adoption of all the saints in Jesus Christ. And this week, I want to take up um, some of the same themes. We've been singing God's praises, have we not? And the last, the last song was, He is a good, good father. Well, if you can imagine the Apostle Paul being in chains, probably in Rome, under house arrest, probably chained to a Roman guard, he sits down, and in this first chapter of Ephesians, he is the one who starts to sing about the praises of God and the reasons why he can praise God in spite of his outward circumstances. I've entitled this sermon, Gospel 
perspective. If you're taking notes, gospel perspective. From eternity past to eternity future. From eternity past to eternity future. We are desperately in need of Paul's perspective. Are you in chains this morning? Are you suffering because you're foolish and you're sinful? Paul was not suffering because he was foolish and sinful. Paul was suffering for the right reason. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake. See, there's a kind of suffering that comes into your life because you are a believer. And Paul was there suffering for righteousness' sake, but even in suffering for righteousness' sake, he was still able to give out this paean of praise to his God for everything that he had done in his life. It's as if he sits there and he's looking at the Roman centurion and he's going, you think you got me? (laughs) No, my God's got me. And I'm going to write a letter. You haven't thrown me into a dungeon yet. You haven't chopped my head off yet, which is by legend is what actually happened. A Roman death, off with his head. But Paul writes this letter. If you would stand, please. And we will read verses 3 through 14. And in the Greek text, this is actually, I've chosen this as all one text because it is all one text. It's all one long sentence. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having predestined, been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance." until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. This is God's Word. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. You may be seated. So you could imagine that Paul is there under house arrest, he's in prison, his um, activities in the gospel are being curtailed somewhat, he can't go and plant a church himself. But he can write letters and reassuring letters 
to those who have believed. What might he be thinking about himself? I knew I shouldn't have done this. I knew this is what Christ was like. In fact, Christ had actually told him when Paul was first converted, Paul, I am going to show you how much you're going to suffer for my sake. It wasn't, hey, Paul, I've got a wonderful plan for your life. It's going to be nice and rosy. No, you're going to follow me to death. Isn't that great? God's got a wonderful plan for your life. Do you really want it? Hmm? But here comes Paul starting to praise the Lord even in his change, even in his bondage. And so we have to ask these questions. Who are you? Didn't we sing this morning, that's who I am? That's who I am? And who am I? See, there you go. Who are you? And what are your circumstances this morning? Do you want to be here in church? Very often it's hard to be here, isn't it? Especially if you've had a rough week and you know that you're going to be singing some songs that you might not really want to sing. Because those songs might be joyful and proclaiming something about God that your heart just really doesn't want to feel or doesn't feel for whatever reason. Who are you? Don't we have myriad identities? Most of them acutely insecure. I am a Republican. Yes, I confess it. A little right of center. But it's not my primary identity. I'm a daddy. But it's not my primary identity. And it's a good job because sometimes I'm not a very good one. I am a husband, but it's not my primary identity for the same reason. Do you struggle with loving well? What other identities might one have? I know there's one identity that many of you will have this morning. I am a jaguar. I am not a Jaguar. I have been following them. I know it's exciting days, but I knew I had to preach this morning, and by 10 o'clock, or just before, I was already in bed until I was woken up. Dad! The screen went, the Jaguars won. So I looked at the internet at some point. One point. But who am I? I am not a Jaguar. I am a Manchester United fan. That's another way of knowing me. It's another identity. And Manchester United, and this means nothing to you, beat Manchester City yesterday. 2-1 in another comeback game. But that means nothing to you, does it? All of these identities. People today have identities of their sexual orientation. I'm a gay man, I'm a lesbian woman, I'm a transgender person, and that becomes their identity out of which they work their behaviors and who they love and how they love. All kinds of identities, all kinds of labels that are given to people. But Paul in this chapter 
doesn't think about any of those. If you were an Ephesian, you would be tempted in that day to have an identity where you would worship the emperor. And aren't we tempted, as Washington, D.C. attempts to bring more and more and more power to itself and leaves and is adrift of the Constitution and would have you worship Washington, D.C. and all things political, no matter what political stripe you are. Great temptation. But our identity is not to be found there. In Ephesus, there was occult practices. There was a temple to Diana of the Ephesians. A horrendous occult and idolatrous practice and worship. And I say to you, all of these identities sooner or later will fail you. They produce all kinds of either bullying or insecurity, suffering, and at some point, loss of hope. Paul, under house arrest, with a guard and suffering for Christ, pens these magnificent words, giving himself as he thinks about his God, an identity, hope, and a vision for millions upon millions of people. If you were to ask me, if you were to come into my office tomorrow and say, I need counseling, Jonathan, I'll say, great. And you say, I want to know God's will for my life. I know what I need to be, what I need to be doing, what I need to be about. And I would say to you, here is the most complete blueprint for your life that could ever be given to you. Ephesians is an absolute blueprint for the Christian's life. And Paul gives us these gospel perspectives from eternity past to eternity future. He names them blessings. These are the blessings that we've been given. We've been blessed from eternity past. As you are sat there this morning, as you're thinking, and it's easy to start thinking about where your life is, who you are, what your identity is, what's the future going to be, can I resolve my past? All of these things can be swirling around your head. But Paul says, relax. Chill out. Think a little minute. What you see isn't often most real. What you see isn't most real. The Babylonian Empire has gone. The Assyrian Empire has gone. Israel as we know it has gone. The Greco-Roman Empire is gone. The Spanish Empire and the Armadas are gone. The British Empire, my country, gone. The American hegemony over all the world is soon to be gone. And if you wrap your heart up in the progress and in the future of America, you are above all men to be pitted this morning. Why? Because God in Paul sits there at his table as he's thinking and says, I'm a blessed man. 
I really am a blessed man. Why? Because I've been chosen. The number one reality of my life, the number one identity that I carry around with me in my heart is not being British or American, not being white or an oppressor, and you not being black and always being the oppressed. These are not the major identities that Paul deals with. The number one identity in which all those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ is this. We have been chosen in Jesus Christ from before the foundation of the world. Now think about that for a minute. In any given situation in my life, what is most real about me, what is most true about me, is that in eternity past, I was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, if that doesn't give you hope, then there is no hope for you, according to the Bible. Truly. Paul says here that before God even created the world, there was a council one day in heaven, and the Father said to Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, he said, Jesus, I've got a plan. Let me hear it, Dad. What's going on? He goes, I am going to create people in my image, and they're going to fall away from me into sin, and they're going to rebel against us, and I am going to save them. And I'm going to choose them before they even know whether they've done right or wrong. In my mind, I am the one who's going to come and save them. Isn't that good to know? On a day in which you've really screwed up and you think all of your salvation is based on your goodness or on your badness. But Paul brings you here and says, now remember... If you were saved, if God chose you and marked you out for his grace and his peace from before the foundation of the earth, do you think there's something that's changed in him? And Paul reaches to that eternity past, even though he's there in chains, and goes, I thank you that you chose me. And chose for what? To be holy and blameless before him. If you are chosen, if you are elect, if you are predestined, then you are blessed from eternity past, chosen for what? For holiness. And we'll see what Paul means by holiness in the later chapters as he outlines what are the moral implications for Christians who claim that they are in Christ Jesus. We were chosen, and not everyone is chosen. Not everyone will be saved, but some will be. And is that you? Are you walking in holiness and blamelessness, And then the highest blessing that anybody could ever have is not just being chosen, but he says, we were predestined for adoption as 
sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Do you see every blessing that we have that comes from the Father, even before the foundations of the world, is in Jesus Christ, is through Jesus Christ, or in the Beloved. These words, in Jesus or in Him, repeat and repeat and repeat over and over again. To be adopted is not to be less than someone who is naturally born. But to be adopted, according to the Scriptures, is the highest identity you could ever have. For you to be adopted, someone had to die. The one who was naturally born, Jesus Christ, He was the one on the cross who bore our sins upon himself so that we could be given his righteousness. And then once we had his right standing with his own father, a 100% right standing with his father that we hadn't earned, he then placed the Holy Spirit within you and now calls you his son and his daughter in a new family. That's what we're about here at this church, isn't it? That we all share in one heritage, in eternity past, chosen from before the foundations of the earth, chosen to, for what? To be blameless and holy in his sight, and we've been adopted as another identity, so I'm chosen, I'm adopted. I'm adopted for what? How do I know that I'm chosen? Because my life is slowly but surely in God's timing and through experience of, of these truths is becoming holier and holier. That's who I am. That's who I am. Blessed from eternity past. And with Paul, knowing those blessings, he begins to Teach them and repeat them. Martin Luther was known to, for having said, keep on preaching the gospel to your own heart until your heart begins to respond to it. These things are true whether you feel them or not. They are objectively true according to the Apostle Paul. Before you can know what to do, before any of your behavior will ever change, you've got to know who you are. Identity is really important. The political powers that be, they're not foolish. They're not stupid. They know identity is important. But they steal it from the Scripture. Identity is important. But it's your identity in Christ, that will define everything about your life, both in the past, both now, and in the future. So we're blessed from all eternity past. And it's not just who you are, but it's really whose you are. That's the gospel, isn't it? It's not just who I am. I can claim all things about myself all day long. But it's whose I am. To whom do you 
belong. And that's where the gospel really goes deep. Because in the human heart, most of us do not want to submit to anybody, do we? In chapter 2, he says that we were dead in trespasses and sins, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Sons of disobedience. Those who are not chosen, those who are not part of God's elect, and just like Jesus once said, many are called, but few are chosen, and the Jewish leaders came to him one day and said, why don't you just reveal yourself to us? And he goes, my sheep hear my voice, and you don't hear my voice because you are not my sheep. I think if Jesus said that to some of us today, we'd throw him out of church. He wouldn't be welcome here. But Jesus actually said it. You're not, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. My father hasn't given you to me like he's given those who hear my voice and come to me and love me. To whom do you belong? Do you belong to yourself, to your own rules, your own ways? Or do you belong to Jesus? And in belonging to Jesus, being in him, belonging to your new daddy in the great dad, a father. Isn't that what we sang this morning? A lovely, lovely father who chose you from before you were born. Isn't that incredible? You ever think about that? I was chosen from before I was born. Before I did anything good or bad, I was chosen. I was seen. Predestined means proherizo, on the horizon. God saw you on the horizon in all of your sin and deadnesses and trespasses and said, I'll have him. I will save him. I will save her. And if you say to me, why did he do it? For his own good pleasure. Because he does whatever he wants to do in heaven and on earth, doesn't he? According to the counsels of his own will. Well, did he see me in my Sunday best, maybe? Did he see me with my best side on social media? Did he see all the wonderful works that I did? Uh Uh-uh. According to the scripture, God just saw you and said, I want him or her to be mine. They belong to me. And I will save them. And that's what happens in good time. We're not only just blessed from eternity past, but we're blessed in the eternal present, verses 3 through 10. We are adopted as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And what do we have in the present? We celebrated it this morning when Pastor Willie led us in prayer and in confession. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. What do we have in the present? It's very, very difficult, isn't it, when you sin? 
from week to week to go, oh no, I've done it again. And I promised myself I wouldn't do it. But what a spur to holiness if you realize that God's plan with you was an eternal plan. He suddenly hasn't just left you. If he chose you from eternity past, turn to that. Turn to that objective knowledge of what God is doing in your life and say, Lord, you're the only one that can show me my sin. You're the only one who can forgive me my sin. And I know that today, even this Sunday, January the 15th, 2023, just as Pastor Willie said this morning, what is God's grace in your life is that you are alive this morning. You're not dead this morning like Lisa Marie. You're not dead this morning like one of my guitar heroes, Jeff Beck, who suddenly gets a blood disease. 78, one minute he's playing his guitar, having a great tour. The next minute he's dead as a doornail. But you're in here. And what does that mean? God has not come back yet. Jesus has not come back yet. And because you've been chosen from all eternity, because you are adopted, what else is yours? You have forgiveness and redemption in Jesus' name. He's calling you. Don't hold on to your darkness. Don't hold on to your sin. Come to me. Because if you were saved from eternity... And because we have sinned against an eternal God, guess what your sin is? It's infinite. There aren't enough hours in the day for you to confess. But God says, I've got this. I've thought about this. You didn't think about this. You didn't make this up. This didn't come from you. This revelation of your sinfulness didn't come from you. You would still be completely lost unless I had initiated something in your life. You wouldn't know it. So if you're struggling this morning, right where you are, right in your, not pew, in your beautiful, luxurious blue seat. If you are struggling, I don't know whether he loves me. I really messed up again this week. I had another argument with my son, which I did. Been in conflict all week. There's some things I probably still need to repent of with him. But there are things that he needs to repent of. Father and son in conflict. But what enables me to come up here? It is the knowledge that God has got this. This isn't an accident. Having a wife, a son, being in this church, belonging to you, you belonging to me, none of it is an accident. It is an occasion for me to experience the riches of God's redemption and his forgiveness. Do you see that? This is an opportunity for you to experience God's richness and forgiveness. Redemption comes from the slave market, that word. It means to be bought back. You were a slave. White and black. Okay? American, Chinese, you name it. We've all, according to the scriptures, the ultimate reality of the human is this. You're a slave to sin and dead. <laughs> Ooh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Cheer up. See, the Bible tells it like it is. Cheer up. You're much worse than you think you are. 
It is much worse than you think it is. We've been redeemed, purchased back by the blood of Jesus. We have been forgiven all of our sins. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Have you ever been in a place where you don't know your left hand from your right, and you don't know what you're doing? God knows that about you. I know that about you. If you were ever to walk in my office, I already know what's wrong with you. It just takes us a while to get there, right? Because you can't hear this immediately. Not only have you been hurt and wounded, and your mama dropped you when you came out of the womb and hit you on your head, and people have said all kinds of wicked and nasty things about you, but guess what? What has your response been like to all of that woundedness? With your own kind? I'll show them. Yeah. We clean out the wounds. But then we have to look at, now, where do you hurt and wound other people? Where's your sin? And what are you going to do about that? You don't get three free sins every day. You will need redemption. You will need forgiveness. And lastly, blessed for eternity future. We're blessed from eternity past, blessed in the eternal present to experience the riches of the gospel and what Jesus did for us, and we're blessed for eternity future. We have an inheritance, verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. People are losing hope. And they'll either kill themselves, or they'll eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Or they'll go and be a recluse. They have no hope. In my own family over the Christmas holidays, there was an incident between my younger brother, who's now 48, and my niece. We were in the same room. A certain subject came up, and before we knew it, he was almost ready to tear her apart, and I had to get in the middle. What is it about? A family rift. Over what? Numerous things, but probably number one on the list is family inheritance. Who got what? And who thought they were going to get what? And how much that was going to be? It's a long story. I won't bore you with the details. But we want an inheritance, don't we? Everybody does. We can't help it. And part of the inheritance of being a human being, something that hides itself away from you while you keep yourself busy with the Jaguars and Manchester United and your cell phone and social media and all these myriad troughs that we take sips from every day. What is hidden from us is our desire and our thirst to live forever. To have an inheritance where moth can't come in and nibble away at it. Where no one can steal it. 
And here, while Paul is in prison, here's what he says. I have been saved from eternity past. I am being saved right now, even as I'm attached to this Roman soldier. And they think, the Romans think that they are in charge, and they're not. You know what the Romans were really good for? Roads. That's, that's how God used them. They had great roads. And so the gospel went around the Mediterranean really quickly. Can you imagine? Augustus Caesar, I'm a God. And God is just saying, no, I've made you to make good roads. <laughs> kind of comes down a little bit, doesn't it? No, it's true. The Pax Romana, it's true. I'm not, tell- I'm not lying to you. An inheritance. And the down payment of that inheritance is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Does your heart rejoice as you're hearing these things this morning? That's the Holy Spirit within you. Given as a down payment for your inheritance, that one day all things will be subsumed in Jesus Christ, who is the head of all things and the head of his church, creating one body all over the world, all coming to be the praise and the glory of God. Amen. That is the gospel. That is the blueprint for your life to know this God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and live from that knowledge. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these great riches, these blessings from you, our triune God, that we could not possibly know. Not flesh or blood has revealed these things to us, but only the Holy Spirit has revealed them to us. And so, Lord, we pray, as Paul prayed, that you would give each of us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, that we would have our eyes and our hearts enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which we have been called. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in town, please visit our website at ChristChurchInTown.org.